Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Right now, good talk all things H-Town. Uh, joining me is Jake Asman from Sports Map Radio down in Houston. Jake, Jody Mack here on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing? Jody, I'm doing great. Huge thrill to be on with you, my friend. It was, uh, you know, a, lo- a long time. I grew up listening to you, and we crossed paths briefly when I worked uh, at CBS Sports Radio. So huge thrill to be on with you. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, my pleasure. Um, know you're down in Houston these days, and they're an intriguing town to be covering sports in because you got a little bit of everything. You got controversy. You got quality play. You've got a team that's going in the opposite direction. After being competitive for years, they've now decided, well, we're going to back everything down. We're going to rebuild it. So you got a little bit of everything. We'll start with the one that's gathering the most attention. That's Deshaun Watson with the Texans. Day in, day out, there are uh, allegations and information leaking out and lawyers doing verbal battle. Is the fan base in in Houston understanding of this, frustrated by this, ticked off at this? How is the average Texan fan handling everything that's going down with uh, Deshaun Watson these days? Well, it's very interesting because had Deshaun Watson not requested a trade, you know, weeks and months right before you know all the lawsuits started to unfold, I think there probably would have been a very large portion of the Texans fan base that would have you know stuck by Deshaun, said, "Hey, you know, this is not who he is. He has impeccable character. You know, there's no way he could have been. You know, there's no way he could have done what he's accused of." But because he wanted to go, because he had the trade request, because there started to be a lot of leaks on particular teams he wanted to play for. I think there's a lot of Texans fans that were starting to get frustrated with the whole situation. At first, everyone was on Deshaun's side, right? No one could stand Cal McNair, the owner. They didn't like Jack Easterby having the power he did. And Deshaun basically got a free pass. People understood why he wanted to be traded away to another team. But now with all this going on on top of the trade request, the, the sense I get from interacting with Texans fans on the radio here, Jody, is that a lot of them are just frustrated. They want the thing to end. A lot of them you know, just want the Texans to trade him to whatever team and get whatever at this point. Problem is, of course, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen because I don't know if there's a team in the NFL that will trade for a guy that's facing 22 civil lawsuits and is right now being investigated by the police here in Houston. So the entire situation, it's like a real-life you know, 30 for 30 playing out before our eyes. We've never seen you know, an athlete, an active athlete, face this many uh, civil suits at one time. So the, the entire situation continues to unfold by the day. All right. Uh, get Let me get a read. Let's back this thing up 12 months, 14 months, 18 months, whatever you got need to back it up, uh, into the last season or even before the start of not this past season, but the season before that. Um, 
just judging from afar, seeing him at Clemson and watching the interviews he's done and remember prepping for the draft and where he should be taken and talking at the draft, I thought that he was a pretty together kid. And he seemed like a nice enough young man. And now all these things are breaking out. Yes, he's dictating terms for the Texans and pushing the envelope and uh, basically demanding a trade. All these off-field issues, which are, if they're as alleged, are just right out, uh, flat out wrong. And he should go to jail if these things are uh, that are being uh, claimed that he did are are accurate. But prior to that. I thought he was a good guy, and I thought he was the kind of guy you would want to go out and grab his jersey and root for. Did he have that well hidden? Did we all miss it? Or am I overstating how good a guy he was before the last year took place? You're right, Jody. Uh, Deshaun Watson had a spotless reputation in this city. You know, other than J.J. Watt, you could make a case that Deshaun Watson was the most beloved Houston athlete. Uh, I mean, the guy finally was a, a franchise quarterback for this organization that just hasn't had one since their inception in 2002. I mean, Deshaun Watson was everything right with the Texans. It was why fans were so optimistic, even though you know they couldn't stand the head coach in this town for a long time and Bill O'Brien. And you know to see the way everything has unfolded, where you know everything we thought we knew about Deshaun Watson is now being questioned, it's really unfortunate. You know, obviously, you know he's innocent until proven guilty, and you know what what he's accused of is just that. You know, it's just accusations. But you know, there's just it's just unfortunate because, you know, as you said, and you're right, I mean, this is a guy that came out of Clemson and, you know, had a, a spotless reputation and he was great in the Houston community over the last now three seasons he's been in the NFL. And, you know, here we are now, and he requested a trade. He wanted to go. And then, you know, weeks later, you know, now you're talking about 22 different civil lawsuits that allege sexual assault and sexual harassment. So uh, it's just, you know, as I said earlier, it's just, it's a crazy story. I don't know if there's anything we can truly compare it to because I don't know if there's ever been an active athlete that had the reputation Deshaun had, and now you have you know all these allegations that are coming out against him. It really is just a remarkable uh, last couple months in this city covering the story for sure. All right. I tried to back it up 12 months. Now I want to move it ahead three, four months from now. Uh, no chance he's coming to any of their off-season workouts, which they may or may not have because the NFL PA is about to uh, take a stand and say they don't think there should be any in-person workouts uh, leading up to the season. It should be virtual like it was all last year. But that's a story for another day at another time. Um, but it doesn't matter to Sean Watson. It's not going to be there because, number one, he doesn't want to be there. And number two, the league will probably frown on him being there until they come down with a decision if they're going to take any action against them. And then the offseason will come and go, and then camp will open up, and I would doubt he's going to be there as well, but there may be some resolution to his court proceeding. The NFL may have taken a stance by then. When we get to the regular season, will the Texans inform Deshaun that they expect him to show up? Because if they don't, if he's just allowed to sit home, then that doesn't do the Texans any good. If he doesn't show up, then at least they can claw back the salary that they owe him this year and maybe some of the signing bonus money that they gave him. But they then they have to say, yes, we want Deshaun Watson back. And that might not go over well with a portion of the fan base. How is it going to hit the fan when we get to the start of the season and Deshaun Watson's still not there? How will the Texans handle it? Well, that's a great question just because there's so much unknown. I mean, is Deshaun Watson going to be placed on the commissioner's exempt list at some point until 
you know, 22 of these civil suits are settled, either out of court or they're resolved actually through the court system. Rusty Hardin, who's the attorney representing Deshaun Watson, said that Deshaun has every intention to go to court and fight all 22 of these lawsuits. So if that's the case, how long does that take? I'm not a lawyer, Jody, but that sounds like a very long process, right? So I think that's a big question in all this. Then, you know, there's the Houston Police Department opening up an investigation into these allegations that have, uh, you know, obviously transpired. Two of the women that have accused Deshaun uh, of sexual assault have now gone to the police department and they're looking into it. So are there criminal charges that could be filed eventually against Deshaun Watson? Then there's the NFL stepping in and, and putting him on the commissioner's exempt list. I think if we were closer to the season right now, he'd be on that list because there'd be no way they'd want him to show up the training camp or you know hold out and be involved in the news cycle. And, and that could be a bad look for the league. So I think we're trending towards him being placed on the exempt list and you know, I just I have a hard time seeing some sort of scenario where Deshaun Watson is, you know, you know, innocent on all 22 of these lawsuits, and he doesn't face some sort of suspension. So I'd be shocked, Jody, if we see Deshaun Watson playing for any team, you know, within I I would say at least the first six to eight games of the season, and perhaps if there's criminal charges involved, you're talking about a suspension that could be a lot longer than just eight games, right? So there's just so much unknown. I don't know if anyone truly has an understanding of where things are headed. I think it just depends on the timeline for these civil suits and whether or not criminal charges get filed against Deshaun as well. During the offseason, they added Tyrod Taylor, who is the quarterback in waiting. He may actually get a chance to play. Every time Tyrod comes in, he plays a game or two, and then they turn it over to somebody else. And they may do that uh, depending on how all this unknown shakes out. You're right. Uh, with Deshaun Watson, this is the place that he probably has Lisa Bay stance to be the starting quarterback, but he's probably going to be the starting quarterback longer here than he has in either of his two previous starts. Is he good enough to make the Texans competitive this upcoming year? I just don't know if their roster is good enough for them to be truly competitive. I think they'll be in some games. I mean, we have no idea, you know, what type of coach David Culley is at this point. I mean, he's a 65-year-old, you know, head coach, first-year head coach that's never been a coordinator in his career in the NFL. So I don't think anyone knows truly what he is. You know, Tyrod Taylor, though, I I wouldn't say – you know, he, he's a terrible quarterback. I would say he's probably, you know, mediocre to average. He's probably a very good backup. But it looks like he's going to be the guy. And we've seen Tyrod play before, and he's okay. You know, he did take a Bills team a, a number of years ago to the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. So, you know, we've seen him out there. I just don't think their roster is good enough. You know, you look at their offensive line issues outside of Laramie Tunsil. You look at their defense without J.J. Watt and, and just some of the issues they still have in their secondary. And then you factor in. They don't have a, a first or a second round pick this year, so it's not like they could, you know, hit on a couple of their early round draft picks to improve this team. So, you know, this was a roster that last year only won four games, and they had an All Pro quarterback in Deshaun Watson at the helm. So, I don't think they're going to be that much better than that. I think they're probably between a three and four win football team, and maybe they only get to, you know, three or four wins because we're talking about a seventeen game season. So, I just don't know how good this team is, regardless of how well Tyrod Taylor plays. Jake Asman from Sports Map Radio down in Houston, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, let's transition over to your baseball squad. The Astros opened up with six on the road, four in Oakland and two in Los Angeles. Pretty good. They won five out of their first six games, so uh, no complaints 
record-wise, but they did hear it a little bit from the fans. I did see a couple of trash cans here and there displayed in both Oakland and in L.A., uh, so they're weathering the storm of what they would have been buried under last year had there actually been fans in the stands. Uh, they've come out now. They've actually dropped a couple in a row to Oakland, who they swept to start the season. How are the Astros players handling it? Uh, the fact that uh, they're now, even though it's a year removed, hearing it from uh, fans of other teams that they're still the cheating world champions. No doubt. And I, I would say you look at them so far, they played well, as you pointed out. I mean, they're off to a 6-3 and three start. They're back at Minimid Park for their first homestand of the year now. And, and they won the home opener and they've lost two straight. But they've been in you know, basically every game this year. You know, I, I just I don't know if the booming is going to affect them as much as maybe it, it could have potentially affected them last year. I mean, now that we're talking about you know that 2017 team, a lot of the players on that team are no longer with the Astros. I mean, some of the big stars on that team are no longer with the organization. You know, you look at Charlie Morton, he's gone. You look at uh, George Springer, he's gone. I mean, even Garrett Cole, who's on the 2019 team, he's no longer here. And it's just a very different roster. You still have Bregman, you still have Altuve. You still have Carlos Correa, but for the most part, this is a different team than the team that won the World Series in 2017. So while fans are going to boo them, and rightfully so, you're a paying customer, you get that right, and they would have been obviously eviscerated last year, as we all know. I, I don't know if the booing is going to necessarily affect them as much as maybe some thought it would, or, or as maybe as you know, in the, just the, the idea that they were dealing with the shooting scandal impacted them last year. Because if you remember, Jody, you know, this was a team, even though they did go to Game 7 of the ALCS against the Rays a year ago, this was a team that was under 500 in the regular season. 60-game season, I get all that, but they were not great in the regular season. They backed in due to the expanded playoffs and got hot in the playoffs. But so far this year, you know, they look like the typical Astro team. They're probably not as good as they were in 2019 because there's no Verlander, there's no Cole in this rotation. But they have some really good offensive players. And they certainly still have a couple of capable starting pitchers in Zach Greinke and Lance McCullers Jr. So they're a good team. Are they great? That remains to be seen. But so far, so good for the Astros. I like some of their young arms, too. Javier and uh, Yurkini. I actually think the uh, Astros have a chance to be at top of that division if they can weather the storm of what they need to hear. Last Astro question. Um, they, they had conversations with Korea about coming to an agreement on a contract extension. Uh, no, they exchanged numbers and some of them got out to the media. I thought they were a little short. And then Lindor signed the contract that he signed. And I knew that Korea's numbers were short if they were accurate as to what was uh, reported. It, that does not look good. That does not portend well for them to be able to get a deal. Were the Astros just hoping to get it done before the numbers blew up in other places? And by comparison, they need to pay Correa more. I, I understand he's had more injury problems than some of the other big free agent shortstops are going to hit the market this year. But from afar, it looks like the, the percentages are not with him re-signing with Houston. Do I have that right? You are correct. I thought it was a low ball as well. I mean, six years and $120 million. I mean, Carlos Correa basically said, you know, that was a non-starter, and you can't blame him when he looks and sees what you know, Francisco Lindor just got from the Mets, of course. So, you know, it's going to be interesting what happens with Correa. He's obviously a great player when he plays. He's dealt with some injury issues. If you look at, the, if you look at his numbers in the postseason, they're tremendous. The guy's been a big-game hitter in his career, so some teams certainly should value that. 
and you know this better than anyone, Jody. It's a crowded shortstop market this offseason. Obviously, Lindor won't be there, but you still have Trevor Story. Corey Seager's going to be there. Uh, Marcus Simeon is a shortstop that could, uh, of course, sign for a big-time deal this offseason. So it's a very crowded shortstop market. I didn't even mention you know, Javier Baez being out there as well. So there's a lot of really good infielders that are available. I was told from someone that Correa might try and sell himself as a guy that could play third base for a team in free agency as a way to maybe try and incentivize some of these big market teams that might be locked in at shortstop to say, hey, you know, sign me and I'll play third for you if that will make it easier for you to offer me a big-time contract. So look out for that as a possible option. If there's a team that maybe doesn't want to pay Correa to be a shortstop, they want him, but they already have a shortstop. They might say, hey, can you play third base for us? And I was told that Correa would be willing to, uh, to do that at the right price. Alex Rodriguez did it once way back when, and he did okay with the Yankees. All right, one last Astro question. I'm intrigued by Miles Straw, a non-power hitting outfielder, world of speed. If he can put the ball in play, I think he can be a damn productive player and is pretty good in center field. Uh, He's certainly not going to be George Springer, but is he going to be good enough to hold that down on an everyday basis for the Astros? He's going to get the chance to do it. I mean, this is a guy that's you know kind of been hanging around their team. He, he he has not really been able to get consistent playing time due to the fact that the Astros have just been so good offensively, specifically in the outfield the last couple of years. But he's off to a decent start so far this year. Last year he played in about 30 games, and he wasn't great, but you could see there's flashes there. Uh, I'm intrigued by him as well. He's still pretty young. He's only 26 years old. He's getting a, an opportunity here to play consistently. So, and he's a key piece of that lineup. As much as we all love to talk about you know, Tuve and Correa and obviously you know, Bregman, you know, there's some bats in that lineup that kind of fly under the radar, and I think Miles Straw, you know, Miles Straw is one of those type of players. Jake Asman from Sports Map Radio, our guest, talking all things Houston here with us on CBS Sports Radio. And then you have the Rockets. The Texans have off-field issues and changes and coaches and power bases and the like. You've got the Astros that are trying to stay above the fray from their cheating scandal. And you got the Rockets who decided, yeah, we climbed the mountain. We couldn't get to the top. We're just going to turn around and sprint back down before we take another trip up the mountain. Uh, they ended up trading James Harden and let other guys go. They're a bad basketball team, and they lost a ton of games in a row. They still have a couple of players who can play. I was surprised they didn't move a couple of players that are even left on the roster because they're going to be free agents at the end of the year like Kelly Olynyk. I thought he'd go in the buyout market. didn't happen. How is the fan base responding down there? Uh, can they deal with it? I went through it in Philadelphia with the 76ers and the process, and it was such a hard pill to swallow. Are they going to accept that down in Houston? I guess it really just depends on how long it could take. I mean, Raphael Stone, the, the first-year GM, he's done a good job as far as just getting a lot of draft picks because this was a franchise that really didn't have any picks. They traded them all away in a Chris Paul trade. They traded them all away in a deal last year for Russell Westbrook. So, you know, getting four picks from Brooklyn uh, in the James Harden deal and then getting a couple of picks in some of the other trades they made, including Victor Oladipo, was important for this team. I mean, the big thing for the Rockets, Jody, I think fans will buy in to a rebuild if they end up getting a stud player in this year's draft. Now, the key to that is the Rockets need to finish with a lottery pick that is in the top four. Otherwise, the pick goes to Oklahoma City from the Russell Westbrook trade. So the Rocket fan, I think at this point, is essentially rooting for losses 
because every loss, you know, is a is a better ping pong ball. More ping pong balls. Oh, you gotta have those ping yeah. pong balls. You know it. I mean, you know all about the process. And I'm a Knicks fan, so I know all about the ping pong balls, which never go, you know, the Knicks way. But from a Rocket standpoint, if they finish, you know, with a top four worst record and they get a you know, they get a break in the lottery and they end up with, you know, a Jalen Suggs or a Kate Cunningham. I think the fan base would obviously be excited about that. So they're 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 you know they're they're rooting for some of the younger players on this roster to to continue to develop. But at the end of the day, losing is better in the long term for this franchise. All right, um, you don't usually get this on a national basis; more of a local aspect. So you tell me um, if you've got a bad owner, if you've got an owner that you just think is either overmatched, too cocky doesn't want to spend, doesn't keep up with his competitors in the league, it can get pretty rough on him. And the the fans can get just downright miserable with those type of owners. Believe me, I've worked in town where the owners have uh, taken that grief and most times have earned that grief. Is the owner of the Rockets taking that down there? Because uh, every time I get a Houston guest on or talk to somebody from Houston, yeah, but they're not willing to pay the luxury tax. They're looking to trim payroll. They're looking to cut back. That doesn't usually go well with a fan base. They don't want to hear it. How under fire is the Rockets owner? Yeah, Tillman Fertitta, I would say uh, he has been under fire. Honestly, I think the entire saga with Cal McNair and Deshaun Watson and the trade request and everything that's transpired over the last year with the, with the football team in town, I think that's taken center stage over the Rockets. I mean, the Rockets, you know, they're, they're definitely passionate Rockets fans in this city, but they're the third team in the market. I mean, people care about the Texans for number one. And really the Astros, I'd say, are kind of 1B. I mean, with how good they've been, this has been a golden age of Astros baseball, and then you had the cheating scandal. So I, I would say because of the other two teams taking a lot of the spotlight in the city and nationally, I don't want to say Tillman Fertitta has been, giving a, been given a pass because he hasn't, but the criticism of Tillman Fertitta is probably not what it would be in another, in another market, say Philadelphia or, or, or New York with Dolan. I mean, Dolan would never be able to get away with some of the things that Tillman's done, trimming the payroll to stay under uh, the luxury tax. Right. I'm surprised that he's even uh, flying under the radar. I thought the criticism in that town would be even more so. All right, last thing. Um, know that uh, the majority of the fans, if they're rooting for college basketball, are rooting for the university thereof in Houston. But it's not that far to Waco and where Baylor is at. Any celebration on your phone lines for the fans for a national championship on a team that yeah, when Coach Drew took over was probably dead last in major Division One programs and had a digger, bigger hole to dig out of than any other. Um, any celebration or since they beat Houston along the way, uh, the heck with Baylor. Yeah, not much celebration. I mean, there's certainly some Baylor alums that live in the city. There's no doubt. Waco's about two, two and a half hours away, I believe, from Houston. So it's not that far. But, you know, obviously, if you're talking about the, you know, the local college teams, there's probably way more uh, University of Texas alums and Texas A&M alums and whatnot that live here in the city of Houston. And obviously, with UH being as good as they've been the last couple of years, tapping it off with a run to the Final Four, that was certainly a big topic of consideration. I think people down here certainly have respect for what Baylor did and, and the job that Scott Drew did turning that program around. But as far as the feel here in Houston, I'm sure there's pockets of Baylor fans, but it's 
not really one of the main schools down here that people associate themselves with. No, well, you better hope that the uh, Astros can keep it up because otherwise the pickings are going to be a little slim down in your town. Uh, your baseball squad's at least going to be competitive for you. Uh, Jake, appreciate you coming on board. Good insight. We will uh, certainly be in touch again down the road. Thanks for hopping on tonight. Anytime you need me, Jody. Thanks so much. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.